Hey, welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA loan guy. We have a really cool guest today, someone from the Australian Army, Anthony Meixner. Come check it out. We have Anthony Meixner from the Australian Army with us today. So a really cool treat for everyone listening today. Um, Anthony, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for spending some time with us. Good day, mate. How are you going? Good, good. So this is an unusual treat. You know, normally we're talking to people here in the States. Um, so it's pretty cool that we're able to link up with you. And I know it's pretty early in the morning in Australia, but um, we appreciate you making the effort to be with us today. Not a problem, mate. It's a, it's a privilege and a, and a pleasure to come on. Cool. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your background. So you served in the Australian Army for 19 years and you're running a nonprofit now. So tell us a little bit um, and about, your, about your military journey. You know, tell us, um, you know, why did you decide to join the military and, you know, um, what did you do? Uh, mate, I think it's pretty relevant um, to September 11. I was sitting at home watching September 11 on TV and we'd just uh, been down to the recruiting office to, to join up at uh, 17 years old. You can join up in, in Australia. Uh, and we just sort of signed up and went over to, went home watching break, like having breakfast and uh, yeah, saw it all on TV and it become kind of real. Uh, from there, I'd, we joined up as a, in the infantry, uh, in the army and spent the next 18 years. I mean, it was a really busy time for us. Um, and we had the privilege of, of sort of deploying to some pretty good uh, hotspots around the world. Uh, the, the reason for joining, I think, is, is probably everyone's is a little bit of, um, had a little bit of a service to country and moving forward with life. Uh, we're 17 years old, you haven't got much direction, and the army is a good way of uh, really keeping on the straight and narrow, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you're in the infantry. Um, I'm sure you went on uh, quite a few different deployments over that type of that, that span of time over 18 years. Um, where did you go? Uh, so we deployed. So to the Solomon Islands was our first trip. Uh, and that was a peace uh, keeping operation, um, which is what just off the East coast of Australia. Uh, and that was, there was a particular group of locals that had sort of risen up and there was a, an Australian federal police officer that had been killed. And the Australian Army was asked by the Solomon Islands government to come in and try and stabilise the region, um, and that was, you know, quite a quite a good and quite a good deployment and, and a nice way to sort of kick things off. Uh, Solomon's we had the Timor after that Timor Leste uh, to help out with the government uh, getting independence from Indonesia, um, and that was a stabilisation peacemaking operation, uh, and that was two thousand and six. Um, and then over to Iraq uh, on uh, a sector, which is like an embassy security and, and a DFAT protection uh, party. Uh, and then to Afghanistan in 2009, um, doing uh, omelette sort of training local forces, a National Army, uh, teaching them to go out uh, as a AAA sort of advise, assist a company, uh, teaching them to effectively soldier in contact. So, yeah. Nice man. Yeah, you saw you saw a lot of action then. That's pretty cool. Any uh any fun stories that come to mind from your time in? Uh there's a lot of <laughs> there's there's a lot of fun stories. Um I mean it was ups and downs as well, but uh 
Yeah. Um, I think driving around when you're a 17 year old kid flying into the Solomons uh, and we were combat loading in. So there was, they had no doors on the sides of the chopper and stuff like that and going in and, and really sort of, it really grows you up real quick when you're, when you're like, well, this is kind of real now. So here we go. <laughs> it's not a movie, right? <laughs> no, there was no cool soundtrack, mate, at all. <laughs> That's funny. Um, did you have any time in, in any of your deployments, like interacting with the U.S. military? Did you guys spend any time working together on stuff? <clears throat> oh, mate, um, all of our deployments was, oh, sorry, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan was, was working with the Coalition of the Willing. Um, you know, so uh, yeah. America, Canada, um, oh, I can't remember the, but, but we um, constantly working, especially in Iraq uh, and Afghanistan, worked quite closely with, with you guys. You guys took, I think we were there for the surge in uh, 2007 when you guys surged three quarters of a million troops into, into Iraq. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, a busy, it was a busy time for you guys. Uh, and sitting, sitting on the... We were doing security for the embassy, and that embassy was also the main entry control point for the American cash for all your casualties that would come in. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, s- sitting on that position as a as more of a security detail and watching the the stuff that you know Marines and and Army coming in 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 pieces, mate. It was really it was really a and and the, the American soldiers were always like, hey, you guys, you know. We really appreciate you guys coming here. Um, yeah, real humble guys, man. Love working with them. Still love working with them, you know? That's great. That's great. Um, it's always interesting to me, like, the coalition aspect, you know, and having the different militaries working together and um, just kind of piecing that all together because I'm, I'm, I'm sure we all have different procedures and different ways of processing um, information and stuff like that to create an action. Um, did you guys find it, you know, challenging to, to get to work with, you know, whether it was us or um, any of the other countries, um, or did it all come together pretty cohesively? Uh, I think working with uh, America and England, we sort of, we're all, the tactics and techniques are, are kind of very similar to, I mean, the things are done, the terminology is slightly different. Um, but the way you guys run your uh, sections and platoons or squads and platoons is is very similar to us. Okay. Um, yeah, interoperability with the Americans was never a problem. We a lot of our equipment has got a lot of crossover. Okay. Um, so I think that's so that you know if it scales, we can we can plug straight into you guys. Uh, obviously, the big brother of Australia. So, <laughs> oh, very cool, man. So, um, so after your time in the military, you got out. Um, tell me, tell me what that was like, your, your decision to leave the military, become a civilian. Um, what was it like getting out of the military there? Yeah, I think it's, uh, because you spent so long in the military, uh, and you, you, there's that point of institutionalization, but there's also, uh, the camaraderie that you get working in teams that, you know, your mates have got your back no matter what and and leaving that group where you have a clearly defined role clearly defined identity um you know you are a platoon sergeant or you know in three platoon uh and then you get out and you're just a another bare bum in the shower uh, <laughs> and <laughs> you know finding that identity and and that purpose to to not just sit at home and 
um, sort of waste away was, was, is it, it was a challenging, I, I didn't think, I thought, you know, because of all the studies we'd done setting up uh, chat, proactive charity, I thought well, I, I was armed and ready to, to, to succeed. But yeah, man, it, it, uh, it's a big transition step and it doesn't have to be scary, but you've got to go into it with a plan. Otherwise, you know, you sort of flounder around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, let's talk about that. So Swiss eight is your, your charity that you, um, are, are helping run. Um, so did you go straight from military service into starting that up? Yeah, there was a bit of a crossover where, um, as I was transitioning out, um, <clears throat> we had sort of that ability to sort of set it up um, and really just move from one into the next. The w- w- the other, like the CEO and founder, uh, Adrian Sutter, he came on uh, and he really was running it uh, pretty pretty bare bones and skeleton for for eighteen months until we started to grow it. Um, but it, the feedback we got from from those early days was th- really the drive to to keep moving forward with it. So tell us a little bit about Swiss Eight. So, um, I mean, you guys are helping, you know, combat military veterans. Um, and is it helping them with like, you know, mental illness type of stuff, uh, PTSD, or what are you guys um, doing? Um, so it's, a, I mean, the VA and, and our DVA, we call it here, Department of Veteran Affairs, is, is similar. Uh, our process, because we're such a small military, uh, compared to you guys, we have managed to, I mean, there's still dramas, mate. There's still issues with the process and looking after boys, but all in all, I think the Australian government's doing a pretty good job of doing it. Um, and we sort of, we saw an issue where guys were getting out and they were, we had an acute mental health model. So, it, you know, a guy is, is, you know, drank two bottles of bourbon and he's got some shit he hasn't dealt with and he's sort of going to, um, do something, he probably needs some help. And we realized that the acute model is probably not the point where you can help these people. Um, there are services involved, but when, when they're at that point to, to, to help them and to get them out and to get them the help they need, it's a long road back. Yeah. And so we thought, let's teach, like the military, let's teach them some rules around proactive mental health where guys can get in, they learn, you know, maybe from boot camp or from, you know, just being a high performer, not change, trying to change the stigma of mental health, but teaching them human optimization and as a byproduct, you'll have good mental health and we'll teach these skill sets to guys. And uh, when they, if the wheels do fall off, they already have some routines and some, some concepts that they can lean onto to get them back on the road to recovery quicker. That's really awesome. I, I think that's such an important, um, gap to fill uh, for our veterans in, in both countries. Um, tell me a little bit about um, what it was like to, to build this thing. I mean, for, you, you've been in it since the ground floor, basically. You know, this was at, at ground zero and you guys have built it up to where it is today. Um, take me through that. Pro- I mean, building a nonprofit is, is not an easy task by any means. Um, you know, you've got to set it up. You've got to get people. you got to get money, all that sort of thing on top of lay out your plan and how you're going to do everything you um, intend to do. Right. Um, so take, take us through that process a little bit. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's hard when you're the new kid on the block um, and obviously we're a charity, so we can't get uh, angel investors or, or capital funding from, from people uh, that want returns on their, on their investment. Um, so to go forward with your handout, and, and we didn't want to be a slimy sort of sleazy charity that, that sort of opened up and just was another uh, organization putting their hand in the ring for, for what is a limited amount of funding. Um, but initially, like, well, you, need that, you need that government funding. You need uh, to apply for grants. Uh, so in Australia, you can apply for grants. We, we got a couple of grants together. Um, real small ones uh, and we sort of sat there and we ran it through a tech accelerator. Like um, I think Google does, Google did a, a similar sort of thing where because um, they had so much money, they were constantly throwing uh, cash at every single idea that sort of popped up. And then they sort of realized, you know, we are wasting a lot of money. We got to fail these business ideas before we start investing in them. <laughs> so we, we put, took it through a tech accelerator, which was, which was over a three-month period, uh, tried to fail the idea and sort of kill the baby so that, you know, you don't, because everyone's got their, their puppy or, and, and, and no one wants to have feedback. Um, it survived the Slingshot Accelerator. And then I think the, the point of difference that set us up was uh, that lived experience piece. People trusted the brand initially and they trusted the, or they trusted the people behind the brand and it was uh combat experienced veterans who weren't super polished and and weren't um businessmen per se and from there people jumped on board mate and it just grew momentum after momentum um but it was a struggle man it was a it still is we're still sort of moving forward um but yeah the growth's been phenomenal that's cool. Yeah, I think I think you hit on it too is you know the people that are involved and I think you know having the the right cast of people with their hearts in the right place. I mean that that's definitely something that can set, you know, a a, a charity one charity apart from another for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's uh, just having that that lived experience. I think the that, that was the point. I mean there's some large charities in Australia that that try to uh help but you know the vets uh a lot of the boys are like they can read they can smell bullshit when they when they see it so <laughs> yeah we just try to be true to ourselves and uh we had a mission and that was to stop veterans burying their mates and that was our that was our business plan that was our, sorry that was our, bi- our mission statement and we just stayed with it and we we used that as the test to see where we would sort of move forward with different ideas and different concepts Nice. So what do you guys, um, what do you guys do for treatment and stuff, um, to get their mental health in line? Uh, so at the moment we've got an, it's an application, uh, you can download on your phone and it's, um, free to all allied forces and coalition forces around the world. Uh, and it just, it offers programming in eight key areas of life. So, um, like a holistic programming, um, so fitness, health, uh, fitness, nutrition, sleep, mindfulness, personal growth, um, minimalism, and all these things we teach people just to have a look at their life and learn some introspection. And then from there, that app is just the, the standard thing that you'll always have, right? And, and from there, we start doing um, events every month in Australia. Uh, 
where we get guys together. We might take them hunting, uh, take them, uh, teach them to skinning, skinning animals or, you know, hunting, collect your meat, uh, scuba diving, skydiving, spearfishing, and get boys doing active events, linking them up with vets in their local areas uh, and doing it with a group of boys that you want to hang around with, uh, you know, uh, and then we offer sort of we we sort of put together two uh, hard reset programs, which are guys who could be either looking for that next edge in human optimization, or if they're struggling a bit, um, maybe they need a hard reset. Maybe they've been on the booze too much, or maybe they can feel the wheels sort of falling off. And yeah. we take them away for a two week. We wanted to just sort of do three to four weeks, but people have got lives, so we sort of did a two week block, and we take them away and. Um, we have, uh, nutritionalists, fitness coaches, um, yogis all come in and it's kind of a, it's a really intensive two week course just of setting routines and, and a couple of lessons a day, you know, a couple of hours of just teaching, uh, and, and then we'll go and put some stuff into practice and then go do some cool shit at the end of it. That's awesome. What, what have, um, what have your, what's your feedback, um, been like from the people that have come to you for help? Uh, mate, we initially, you know, you're worried about um, because this is a, a very important thing. This is people's lives that you're sort of dealing with, and and we sort of there was a lot of late nights thinking, are we doing this right? Like, are our intentions in the right spot? Is this are we capable of of pulling this off? Right. Uh, and then it just started with uh, you know DMs at two in the morning, guys. Uh, you know, we we did a podcast, and guys like I just think that what you guys have done and said, and the way you impart that onto us they they loved it mate and we sort of realized we we're onto a winning thing where we were helping people and it was people that you wouldn't normally see reach out i'm like we're talking uh our, our special forces dudes so uh we had a lot of sas guys reach out a lot of two commando boys uh and a lot of uh a lot of guys who've done some heavy fighting in afghan and iraq who would normally not reach out and reach out and say that how much it's helped them mate that's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest victory you can ask for, right? Is just yeah that positive response. That's really really cool. Um, so what's what's next on the horizon, or what are you guys aiming for for Swiss Eight? Where do you want to take it next, mate? Um, funny, funny shit. So we've got we've got a couple of things going, mate. We we decided to. Uh, we've got a raffle going on at the moment. So that's our general funding model. Uh, it's an international raffle with an ex SAS uh, XO. Uh, and the guy's a legend over here, Mark Wales. He does kill capture and he's got a, he's got a, uh, it's called tough luxury. I think his stuff is high end fashion in New York, like tough luxury, Madison Avenue stuff, man. So, oh, wow. Yeah. He's got some, he's got some cool jackets. He was a survivor uh, contestant and he just did, um, uh, you know, the Bear Grylls uh, greatest race on earth or toughest race on earth. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just done that. And so we jumped into a raffle with him to, to, to sort of raise a little bit of capital and it's good, mate. Uh, and, and that's just a little thing we do mid year from there, mate. It's uh, we're actually, you guys, what do you guys call remembrance day? November 11 is V day. Uh, 9-11 day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. No, like uh, November 11, the Remembrance Day. Oh, Veterans Day. Yeah. Veterans Day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in Australia, that's sort of our big Veterans Day is 
uh, Anzac Day, okay, uh, which is twenty uh, fifth of April, and um, Remembrance Day happens, but a lot of it, it's sort of been forgotten in Australia. So we're just trying to reinvigorate that, and we're doing it by just starting off with it's called a barbecue to remember, uh, and it's about we get uh, A grade celebrities, B grade celebrities. And we're raffling them off so that you can auction them live and they can come to your place and uh, they'll have a barbecue with your tailgate from three till stumps, you know, like big wow. old school Australian sports stars. And, uh, and, and um, yeah, it's starting to really pick up and that's kicking off uh, on November the 11th. Um, and we're going to come across to America next year, hopefully, and, and uh, try and uh, launch it there as well. Oh, that's great, man. We'd love to see you here. That sounds, sounds like a lot of fun too, you know, like, um, I mean, I I can see the smile on your face as you're talking about this stuff and, um, I can tell that you're, you're really enjoying it as well. Yeah, uh, mate. Uh, I I think you just have to do things that the guys would get behind and, uh, getting your favorite sports star to come over for a beer and a barbecue for, you know, three till stumps is, and you get your mates around and you can, they have a, a pack that they come with and, you know, so if, if conversations come up around mental health, they're there to talk about it as well. So imagine being able to talk mental health stuff with, with some sports stars who, who go through the same kind of stuff that you do in the military when you leave. They're, you know, they're at the top of their game. Uh, right. And, yeah, and, and they leave over. and then, yep. <laughs> and it's just over. That's yep. It. Yeah. So they, they deal with it. Uh, a lot of the guys – um, uh, from the sporting backgrounds go through that loss of purpose and loss of identity. Like if they don't get a, a commentator gig or, you know, a, right. a, or a coaching job or something, yeah. Coaching job, they're done. 35, you're like, I don't know, what's the, what's the age in, in NFL where people retire? Yeah, you're usually early to mid-30s if you've made it that long, you know? Yeah. And then you're done. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady's probably the exception to that rule, but you know, most most guys physically are kind of tapped out at that point. <clears throat> yeah, what did he do? He got six six rings with the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, and then he just got signed. Who did he sign with? Uh, with the Tampa uh, Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that. It, he's an interesting specimen. Um, um, just just the level of commitment he has to like his health and his nutrition and stuff like that. And, and reading stories about him. I mean, it's, it's really impressive and it makes sense why he's able to play. I mean, he's in his forties now, you know, and he's, he's still playing at the top of his game. So, um, you know, it kind of goes back to a lot of what you're teaching, which is a lot of that, like daily regimen, that discipline of just following through on that routine all the time. Right. And, um, There's probably no better example out there than that guy. Um, of course, no. he's, he's doing uh, it at a level none mate. of us could probably c- compare to, but <laughs> but nonetheless. Routine's a big one, mate, Like, and you see that happening. Um, so in Australia, when you see boys uh, get on – so we have a pension over here, and, and guys will jump on the pension, and they, they, they come from a place where they're like, this is what time you get up, you do this, you, know, you, you do PT every day, you – and then they sit at home and they get on a pension and for all intensive purposes, they think, Oh, I'm better than that. It's not going to happen to me. And then you see them, some of them slowly just start 
you know, they start sleeping in, they go to bed later. Um, and, and you watch them in, in over a space for a couple of months, just really start to struggle. And then once your routine shot, it sort of goes over with your nutrition and your sleep and yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, what do you guys do, um, to promote Swiss states, do you use social media and podcasting and things of that nature? Yeah. So, uh, we, uh, a lot of, a lot of our stuff was done on social media. Um, and, um, we do some paid advertising around the larger events, you know, for TV and stuff like that. Sure. Um, where we try and, uh, get the message out a lot of Google ads, um, Google, you know, and putting a lot of money into that. Um, but word of mouth was the biggest one. Uh, we, we have, um, a couple of different bases around, around Australia. And we just sort of inserted guys into those into those battalion location areas, uh, and just had that point of contact there that could come forward, have a yarn, talk to people, uh, and it sort of grew organically around. So, and then uh, and then we fired up a, a podcast, and we thought, well, this was probably about a year ago. We thought, are people going to want to like? I got a face for radio, mate. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought, oh, here we go. We're going to do a podcast, and uh, yeah, it, it it took off, mate. Uh, and I think the biggest one was uh, biggest feedback we got was guys were saying that uh, it was it felt like there were just there's three of us doing the podcast, and we just shoot the shit, mate. And and the guys were saying it just felt like I was catching up with the boys again, and you know we can broach some subjects that are um, not often talked about, mate. It's good. That's really good. Um, yeah, that's, that's fun. I, I think, I think having that type of message is, is appealing, you know, they can, they can plug in. It feels like they're at home. Um, that's really, really cool. What, um, what would you say, you know, if you were to take some lessons learned from your military service and, and now with Swiss eight too, but what, what lessons have you learned throughout that life experience that have really kind of resonated with you to, to maybe keep you or have you be armed and ready? <clears throat> I think, um, have a plan and, but, but, the, but don't worry if things change because, uh, sometimes there's things that are out of your control, uh, that, that you, you know, we had an incident overseas. We, we just, we'd spent nine months training some Afghan national army guys. And so we were pretty tight with them. Uh, and we just spent nine months training them and they drove over a 40 kilo IED. Uh, and they were in a, they were in a ranger and there was, I don't know, eight of them crammed into this, uh, Ford Ranger. Um, and so we rocked up at the scene and, and there were pieces of people everywhere, mate. And we, I mean, as a, as a young lance corporal at the time, uh, I turned to my mate and I was just like, what the fuck have we got ourselves into? And, and these were, we were treating people that we'd, we'd eaten with and had chai with and, and really grown relationships with. And, and after that, we sort of, there was a little bit of, a, a little bit of dark humor involved, mate. Like when we started laughing and after the incident and we, we sort of didn't understand what was going on. Like, oh, should we be like giggling? And it's, it, it was dark humor, mate. It was trying to cope with a situation that your brain couldn't comprehend. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson is that don't go into a situation where you think you know how your body's going to react. Listen to the people that have been there and, and 
and you you know you can't change the outcome. Sometimes you got to play the the cards you get dealt, and um, just try to be honest with yourself. And the reactions you get are, are human reactions, mate. Yeah, I think that was the biggest one for me was was the dark humor aspect. I was like, this this doesn't feel right. You know, we grew up in a society where we're respectful, where um, you know you're you're remorseful, you know, and these things start coming into your head and uh, we get taught that certain lines of thinking is bad. So it sort of, it can drive people down into a, in a pretty nasty hole. Hey. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I've seen some photos from some friends of mine who were kind of frontline during Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and those are some images that will never leave your head. Um, You're not going to see it on the news, but that is some, some crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't know how the boy like, and they're young kids. Uh, a lot of them, man. I think in a, I think the average age of the Australian Army is about twenty years old, mate. But for infantry, wow. um, when you take out the warrant officers and you take out, you know, but so they're young kids, mate. Like some of them in, I suppose, in a, you can't even drink in America yet. You can't drink in Australia, and you're you're off in situations where, you know, you're 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 doing things that that really there's no training to do. And they come back, mate, and they're like, how do I fit back in? Yeah. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And, and I, I think that's um, it, it's the same across, you know, all, all branches, all, all countries, you know, um, coming back to that because it's not <clears> – it's, it's a human thing, like you were mentioning. You know, it's not, it's not um, location-specific or country-specific. You know, I mean, that's, that's a human thing when you, when you see those – those tragedies and things that are just unnatural um, to be able to deal with that is, is not something any of us are really prepared for. No, not, not at all. I don't think you can. Um, but I mean, it's good to see guys getting back and there's some great, some great things out there to help people. Um, but I just, there, there must be, there's hundreds of thousands of veterans in, in America. I couldn't imagine the system coping too well, mate. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. And there's a lot of really good charities here as well, <clears throat> helping out in that, in that same space as you are. And, and I don't think there's ever enough, you know, um, <clears throat> there's, and the thing that's been neat to watch about that charity space is there's so many different angles from which people or these charities come from to help, you know, and, and there's so many different ways of, of coping with this stuff. Some of it's companionship with animals or pets, you know, and, and, and some of it's, you know, volunteering, just doing work with other people. I mean, and there's just, there's so much, you know, some of it's very medical, you know, where you're in with doctors and you're retraining the brain. And, um, I mean, there's so many different angles and aspects to it. Um, it's definitely not, you know, a one size fits all type of thing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of complexities to it. Yeah. I think as, as much as every single person's different, um, uh, we sort of had we had a couple of ESOs spring up, and and there was some some debate through the um, when I say ex service organisations or, or veteran charities, um, and there was so many different springing up, and a lot of the old Vietnam vets were were sort of ask, asking, you know, is what's the utility of another ESO? Um, but we were like, as as much as people are different, some guys like riding motorcycles, some guys like animals you know or there's different i mean there was they're doing studies on on psilocybin and psychedelic mushrooms for treating pdsd there's so many different angles and and i think people are really complex 
that they need to have that one place where they can go to, to, to sort of, to help get help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, um, Anthony, I just want to thank you for spending some time with us and, and sharing Swiss eight and sharing your story. Um, it's been really, really, um, great to hear what you guys are up to and the fact that you're bringing it to the States too, makes me even more excited. So, um, I'm super pumped to, to see that and, and I'll keep following you guys and, and make sure, um, you know, we help you get the word out when you guys are here and, um, and just love that you're helping vets, man. That's awesome. Cheers, mate. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll look you up when we, when we get over the States next year. Thanks very much, mate. Right on. Thank you. All right, Anthony. Have a good one, man. Thanks so much. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to get in contact with Anthony or Swiss 8, please feel free to reach out to me, Jason Wood, at valoanguy.us.